0: Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's on the Wing Podcast. I am your host Bob Saint Pierre and I've been using my wings this morning flying all the way up to St. Louis, Missouri with my friend Carl Gunzer from Karina, who also flew. You flew farther further than I did today. You got up at 3:30. I yeah. think, right?
1: Yeah. Flying to St. Louis from Texas by way of Minneapolis. It's the most direct route according to Delta. <laughs> right. <laughs> if we're going around
2: the world. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Around the world to get here. And, and then the other voice you, you've just heard is Jack Scott. And I am in world headquarters, uh, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, of Perita. And we are in the, the C building, I believe it's called, correct? Yep. Yeah. We're in the C building today in a conference room, um, talking with Pheasants Forever and my personal very good friends at Perina, and uh, our members, Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever members, know because we uh, we we shouted from the mountaintops uh, a couple months ago when when Perina made major news with our organization earlier this autumn. Um, it, with a $1 million, I, I want to do my best Austin Powers <laughs> impression right now, but $1 million dollar commitment to the wildlife conservation mission of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. Let me say that again. $1 million dollar commitment from Purina yes. to the habitat mission of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, the single largest um, corporate Contribution to our organization, single largest contribution outside of a, a government grant, in the history of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's um, since 1982, since we were born. Um, thank you, Cheers. holy cow, guys!
2: Um, pretty awesome, right? It's, it's fantastic. It's,
0: I, it, it's hard to put into words when, you know, you, you, you go to work for this nonprofit conservation organization mm-hmm. and, and you. You bleed what you do, and you guys know enough of pheasants forever and quail forever employees. You know we how many biologists we have. Um, everybody from accountants to folks, you know, pounding in the membership keyboards, uh, the editors writing the the journals. Um, when a company like Perina steps up and says, "I believe, I believe in your organization. I believe in your mission." Here's a million-dollar check to prove it. Wow. I mean, it's yeah. there's a speechless moment. Like, <laughs> so thank you. And I know that it's larger yeah. than the two of you guys, and we're going to talk about um, mm-hmm. some of the history of the relationship. Um, but, you know, part of the purpose of being here is <laughs> to thank you and then tell the story to our members because it ultimately yeah. those members... That have made this organization a success over over the history of uh nearly four decades you know those those chapter volunteers that have put on those banquets and and put the bags of Perina at the yep. you know on the tables the, the place in, mats at everybody's uh in yeah. Keokuk yep. Iowa <laughs> right. in knuckles county nebraska and in, in Fairbow Minnesota, um, carrying the Purina brand at those banquets and you guys. Uh, and all your Perina fellow co-workers have attended banquets across the country, and um, you've been, I think we, we looked up um, next to Federal, you know, Perina and Federal Ammunition, the two longest <coughs> running corporations that have uh, supported the wildlife conservation mission of Pheasants Forever, so... Um, it, it says right on the top of my outline. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you, and I just want to reiterate that that uh, it, it was a monumental news day for our organization when uh, the commitment was made to our habitat mission. So we're going to talk a lot about what that means. So our members across the country, those Quail Forever members in Oklahoma City know how that's going to impact the, the future of the organization. Um, so a, a lot of it has to do with sustainability. And it's mm-hmm. a word that in our world, um, the conservation, habitat conservation niche, um, it, it really kind of gained momentum, became a trend word yeah. maybe three years ago. And I, th- I think it's, it's, Maybe more recent than that, maybe the last year, that the general public has been reading about the word sustainability in newspapers. So a lot of our conversation today is going to break down sustainability, and, <coughs> and um, we've got just the guy to talk <laughs> about sustainability mm-hmm. because Jack Scott, and I, I'm looking at your title, your yep. vice president— Of sustainability and responsible sourcing for Perina. Yes. So I want to get into your background, but first, let's talk about sustainability. What is sustain? What's a vice president of sustainability and responsible sourcing do?
2: Yeah. So, so, um, thank you so much for first of all for having me on this podcast. I really do appreciate it, and I'm glad that I'm able to share and talk and and share a lot of this with your listeners as well. So, um, and yes, that million dollar gift that we, we provided was absolutely fantastic for our company to continue to show that sort of support for presence forever. Um, yeah. So my role, my job within this company is basically to find like find ways in which we can continue to, um, drive Perina towards a more sustainable future and that can come across in many different ways. Um, And as you know, sustainability probably means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But one way in which we certainly look at this is that as a food manufacturing company, we source a tremendous amount of ingredients, right? And in particular, we source a lot of of cereals and grains Mm -hmm. that are out there on working, you know, lands. Um, And as a result, we recognize that as part of that, there's also a large environmental footprint that's associated with that. But in order to keep those working lands healthy long into the future, we have to figure out ways in which we can support um, the farming community, the agricultural community, as well as the conservation community, Mm. and how we can put onto those lands long-term sustainability practices so that they can continue to be vibrant and and producing good quality materials long into the future, as well as ways in which we can support around those agricultural lands. Mm -hmm. So protecting our landscapes, protecting our our um, wildlife. So we generally sum it up in three areas. We talk about it from soil and, and healthy soils, uh, clean and abundant water, and rich biodiversity and wildlife habitat. Those are, those are three of the areas that we, we tend to focus on tremendous amount, which is why, you know, we're, we're proud sponsors of, of Pheasants Forever.
0: It, it, it does, when you explain it, it's sort of it all comes together and makes sense um, from both perspectives. And both perspectives I'm thinking about is our long-term relationship, and I'm looking at Carl as the official dog food of Pheasants Forever. makes sense, right? You're the biggest dog food manufacturer. You guys um, employ like 400 veterinarians and research scientists. You make the best dog food on the planet. Well, it would make sense to have a partnership with the biggest upland conservation group on the planet, representing the largest collection of bird dog owners, right? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. natural. But what's maybe not as intuitive is what you talk about, Jack, the sustainability component. Uh, it, it just brings it all together because who works with farmers, ranchers, from our you know nonprofit conservation world more than Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, it, it's yeah. us, right? Yeah. We're we're you know super active in the Farm Bill. We work with you know we have nearly 300 uh, Farm Bill biologists out there uh, on the landscape, working in USDA service centers to find sustainable, profitable ways for landowners for producers to put conservation practices on their working farm. Exactly. It's like a marriage made in heaven, <laughs> right? I mean, it's a natural fit.
2: It is, it is. And, and what I think so, so like tremendous about it all is that we all have these very similar shared core values, right? That we can all get around. It's it's whether it's it's the love of the land, the love of the water, the love of the the pets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what we do. And I think what's so kind of unique about it is for someone like me, right? I don't have necessarily a sustainability background, but I've been doing this now for several years and have really started to build up my knowledge. I actually have a marketing background mm. and have moved into the sustainability area. But the more that I got to get to know and go out and visit working lands, working with farmers and producers and ranchers, and working with conservation groups, including members of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, and I saw the passion that they had for this, that's when I started to like realize my own true passion mm. in all this as well. And the one thing I can say that connects all of us is our pets. Mm-hmm. It really is cuz even if you go out to all these farms, every single one of these farmers, they have two or three dogs on there and of course a lot of the uh the members of Pheasants and Quail Forever, they have their dogs right. and and of course we have our dogs as well. So it's 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 a uh, it's great. It's fantastic. S-
0: so I I dove into <coughs> sustainability and I'm going to backtrack a little and ask a little um yeah. Uh, about your background, you, you mentioned you have a, kind of a marketing background, and I know because yep. I, I, I um, creeped on <laughs> you through social media before, <laughs> before the before the interview, I know you went to the University of Michigan, so there's a yeah. Michigan background there. Tell, where'd you grow up?
2: So, so um, grew up in Southeast Michigan, Kay. and um, actually, you know, Michigan is my home, right, away from home. What now
0: town I, in Southeast Michigan?
2: So, my father actually lived right downtown Detroit. So uh,
0: born and raised in South Detroit, something well, like that? Uh, s- not me,
2: really. <laughs> I, I was out more in this uh, Livingston County around Howell-Brighton area, okay, right? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so, so you know, spending time, you know, down there. I have family still today in, in Sterling Heights and in Dearborn Heights okay. and things of that nature. We generally go back there and see the family during the holidays. Uh, Thanksgiving is a is a big time for us to go back there. But, yes, I did go to the University of Michigan for graduate school. Um, graduated with my, with my MBA and came to Purina, um, not just as an intern, but they offered me a full-time job. They actually wanted me back, which was great, <laughs> and came back and uh, joined the marketing team. Uh, worked here for five years in, in brand management as a brand manager on the Perina One brand, hmm. then actually did an ex-Patriot uh, assignment over in China. And so I was over in China for three years, um, working out of the Nestle China Limited office in Beijing, hmm. came back to St. Louis in marketing, and then started moving into some of the more con- contract manufacturing and the sustainability responsible sourcing roles. And so that's kind of how I cut my teeth and, and grew within the company.
0: So uh, how <coughs> long has Prina had that sustainability d- division, or uh, how long has your role existed?
2: Uh, so my role has been around now I would say for gosh maybe the better maybe about a decade or so right There's always been some sort of role a uh, person within this role Okay but sustainability is not new to Perina Um you could take a look back 20 years ago maybe more and our operations our factories were already finding ways to Reduce water usage, reduce electricity, reduce greenhouse gas emissions, figuring out ways to eliminate waste from their systems. Hmm. And so there, there has always been a very strong sustainability culture here at Nestle Perino.
0: Was it always called sustainability <coughs> or did it have a different buzzword a decade uh, ago?
2: Yeah, so there's been a lot of, I think, different words. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd call it environmental management sure. systems. Um, you know, things of that nature, right? Operational efficiencies, improvements, things of that nature. Okay. Yeah.
0: And before we we hit the uh, record button on the podcast, you were telling me about that you're you're a member (coughs) of the National Conservation Leadership Class, and for listeners, um, this is a huge deal. Um, It's basically run by Harvard. Where state agencies, so Minnesota DNR, Nebraska Game and Parks Commission, mm-hmm. and NGOs, nonprofits like Ducks Unlimited, um, Rough Grouse Society, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Pheasants Forever, and corporations in write nominations. I think the, the president or CEO has to write the, a nomination. Correct. That's correct. And 36 applicants <laughs> are selected. Um, majority of them being state agencies. Uh, I think there's a uh, maybe half a dozen spots reserved from nonprofits. Pheasants Forever has won nominations. Oh, let's see. Matt Holland has went through it. Ron Leathers, Elsa Gallagher, Chris McLean was in, in my is, cohort. Yeah, the the newest uh, newest student um, through your cohort cohort. So we've had probably six, but it's it's a huge huge honor to not only be nominated by your organization but to uh, get selected yes and corporations have two positions perina nominated you Jack yeah, and you got in
2: I did it was fantastic it was really really amazing i'm I'm getting texts today still from uh, members of my cohort wanting to just catch up talk and 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 share stories and so
0: it, it, the I didn't mean to step on you. Yeah. Tell tell what's the purpose of this <clears throat> course?
2: It, it, so it is a leadership course, right? And it's it's about adaptive leadership. And without going into too much into the details, it's basically um, looking at ways in which um, not in w- ways in which individuals can basically because anyone can lead any time anywhere. Right, regardless of what what their role is in an organization, but to truly create some sort of adaptive leadership change, right, you need to be able to enter into conversations that can be sometimes a little bit conflictual in order to really like pull out the the meat or the heart of of what's needing to be adapted, hmm. and it separates the things that are technically oriented versus the things that you really need to kind of address that could affect the culture. It's it's messy, it can be long, it could be challenging, right? It could be amorphous and, and and ever changing and you know, not necessarily the answer might not always be clear. But that's sometimes what we need, right? And so when I think about sustainability long term, this isn't entirely a clear space, right? This mm-hmm. can be very opaque. And there's a lot of trade offs that have to happen sometimes, right? There's, there's, there's trade-offs even you know working with conservation groups and the farmers at times as well. Right. And it's not that we should dig our heels in and, and pick a side, right? But we need to have those tough conversations sometimes in order to truly find a way forward that benefits everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's what this conservation co- um, leadership course really teaches people is how to have those, those tough conversations. Understand yeah. yourself, understand your audiences, be able to listen with intent and grace and and then um, work out solutions from there.
0: The folks that our organization have uh, went through it have come back just raving at how beneficial it's been. And, and you know, it, from a state agency perspective, I think the impetus for the creation of the course is there's so many folks, the baby boomer <coughs> generation, that's um, sort of retiring. And this is a way to sort of train in at the the highest top prospects into those next level of leadership, um, within state agencies and nonprofit groups. And, uh, you know, for our listeners, I just, I think it's remarkable and a testament to Perina's commitment yeah. to not only sustainability, but wildlife conservation in the future of, you know wild places and wild a- animals and natural resources that uh, not only did Perina nominate you but then you you're following through and and being a student through this cohort so congratulations it's thank a, you It's very impressive i know it's it's a ton of extra work, but uh <laughs> it's it's a it's a good thing for for the conservation world to have companies like Perina going through this process so um Carl, still back. here. Yeah, welcome back to On the <laughs> You were, you were um, I think, episode five-ish. It was early. Yeah, was early yeah, on. yeah.
1: I think I think I recorded before one was ever uh, released yeah I'm pretty sure yeah you're,
0: you're right because we recorded um at our clay shoot that's right, I think, yep. and we and released it a few months after yeah. that
1: as I recall, you kept backing mine up because you had better uh no you had other <laughs> important things well that but, was uh, that was uh,
0: the week of the Carl Gunzer world tour that's right that's you right. came came to visit <coughs> pheasants forever and uh let's see we we did a clay shoot fundraiser event which Karina yep. partnered with us yep. We went to the uh, Pheasants Forever Night at the Twins. That's right. We went fishing with Travis Frank. Oh, that's from, right. Caught a, um, some really nice
1: bass, yeah. Really? I mean, yeah, really nice bass. Mouth bass. Yeah. So mouth Yeah. And then went to, um, uh, was it Game Fair?
0: Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, went up there yeah. to Game Fair. Yeah. Visit.
1: So, yeah, it was, it was a jam-packed couple days we were, for sure. Yeah, we were. Oh, and we did a um, we did, uh, K-Fan, too. Oh, that's right. We, we got we up do. at 6 a.m., we were on K-Fan. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, I needed a vacation after that trip. <laughs> yeah.
0: We so, checked all yeah. we punched your card the uh, yeah. entire entire yeah. week. It was that fun. Was fun. <laughs> well, welcome back to On the Wing podcast. It, for folks that uh, maybe haven't heard that episode, give uh give our listeners to this episode your yeah. your short story cuz sure. You sure. you you know, you come from Conservation World a long time.
1: I yeah, yeah, in fact, one of my first jobs um Kind of before I got into the dog thing, I worked for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. So I was a, uh, a field director, a director of membership there, and then uh, kind of got bit by the dog training bug and then had a career um, training dogs and then kind of came uh, to Purina at a point which uh, Bob West was was retiring and uh, have become the director of uh, the sporting dog group here. So I kind of have the pleasure of managing, you know, our relationship uh with Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, as well as other uh, nonprofit conservation organizations and um, all of our um, sponsorships of different sporting dog events. So, uh, in fact, I leave here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. to fly out to the uh, National Retriever Championship in Corning, California, which mm. we sponsor. So, um, so I kind of have a, a small team of people that uh, attends and manages our relationships with these different groups.
0: And you live in Texas. I do. You I do, l- yeah. used to live in Montana. That's right. And you grew up in Maryland. Yes. And you've yeah. hunted birds the whole way. Every, uh, <laughs> pretty much,
1: I've definitely been to every state. I haven't hunted birds in every state, but I've probably had a a dog on the ground in every state, uh, I think. Yeah.
0: Uh, so you, you mentioned that you work with all the conservation groups. And I think that that's critically important that we point out that, uh, Perina Perina Pro Plan in particular is not only the official dog food of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, but you guys you, and again you you've made a one million dollar commitment to our mission. But this is this is sort of business as usual. I mean, it's a big number, right, But it's right. business as usual. You guys work with Ducks Unlimited. Correct. The official yep. dog fooder of DU, right? Yes. Official dog fooder of uh, Rough Grouse Society. Rough yes. Yep. Um, you, you, uh, sustainability perspective, <coughs> I, I believe um, Nature Conservancy and Ducks Unlimited have Correct. also been recipients of grants of this nature, too. You guys have put uh, time and time again um, money, your brand, and h- human resources into wildlife habitat and natural resources. Well,
1: you know, I, I'd love to take credit for it, um, but, uh, you know, I, I I followed a lot of, uh, you know, brilliant people that uh, that started these, and, you know, our, our groups have, have been doing this, I don't know, we tried to pin a date to it, I guess, late. Uh,
0: yeah, we're thinking 89-ish is yeah, when yeah. Pheasants Forever and Perina started working
1: together. Yep, and it, and it was similar timing with uh, Rough Grouse Society. It's been a little more recent that we've done stuff with DU, but... Um, you know, the company, I've actually got, I used to uh, collect old um, magazines like Sports Afield Field and Field and Stream, mm-hmm. like I've got issues from the 40s and 50s and stuff, and it's really neat to go back and look in there and see old Purina ads, even at, at that time, um, was sort of marketing towards that, but also doing things during war efforts, um, promoting uh, uh working dogs at times of war and stuff like that. So um, you know, Purina has really been in this space um, an incredibly long time. Mm. So, you know, even prior to working with with uh, I think Tex Fawcett was our guy that was kind of the director prior to Bob um, Bob, prior West, to Bob West, yeah. Tex Tex Faucet, Faucet. yeah, God, yeah. Why don't I have a name like Tex? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bob's a good so, name. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: yeah so, so yep. you know, Bob West, uh, mm-hmm. Keith Shop, yep. right? Who's yep. just getting ready to retire from Purina, and, yeah. and and is coming on the National Board of Directors for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. That's Keith right. Has, yeah, has been a huge advocate of um, conservation mm-hmm. over. How long has he worked at Purina? Three decades. What?
1: 30, yeah, 30 some years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Steve, Steve Rems- Remsbecker. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. You yeah.
0: know, then on our side, Joe Dugan, Brad mm-hmm. Heidel, <laughs> Harleen Carlson. I mean, there's, yeah. there's been so many names of folks that have worked on this relationship. That's uh, right. and more recently, Chad Bloom, mm-hmm. Chris Callis, Ryan Heinegger, Matt Holland, and to get, yep. get us to, to where we're where at we are today yep. Yep. and where we are today. As we mentioned, um, Pheasants forever and quail forever. Proud that perina is the official dog food Great. of our organization. You guys are the title sponsor of the bird dog stage at National Pheasant Festing right. Quail Classic. I need,
1: I need to get an orange blazer this year. I don't know. I'm feeling a little punk. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> Tease us. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any uh, presentation or demonstration coming to Pheasant Fest that you're? You're excited is going to be new, and uh, Minneapolis attendees are going to be jacked about? I
1: don't, I, I, I'm working on it. Give me a little time. All right. Give me a little time. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm not going to don the um, the pheasant costume, though. I know that. <laughs> Rudy the rooster. Rudy the rooster. That's right. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> uh, and you guys are partners, Bird Dogs for habitat. You're in every Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever journal. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, you guys uh, have employ somewhere in the neighborhood of four hundred veterinarians and um, yep. researchers, scientists, making research. the yep best right. dog food out there. And uh, Purina Pro Plan Sport, very specifically, is the the brand that we promote to our members. Is you know if if you're a member of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, and you want to feed your dog of food, that represents the organization in Mm -hmm. the mission. It's Pro Plan Sport, the purple bag. Right, right, right. With, I I don't what what breed is on the cover of that bag? Oh, it just happens
1: to be uh, a German short hair pointer. Oh, that's right. I I, 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 I (laughs) forgot. Sure you did. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, well, uh, listeners know that I have a fondness for short hairs. But, uh, you know, if if you got a sporting dog at home, uh, you can feed your dog's Perina Proplant Sport and know that you're also creating habitat out there. Speaking of creating habitat, let's talk some more about sustainability. All right. And uh, we we started to go down that road about what your job is, Jack, and, mm-hmm. and what the organi- what Perina's mission is with sustainability. And uh, I I teased a little bit about Ducks Unlimited and Nature Conservancy have done some projects yep. with you guys as well. Uh, Take a, give us a big picture. What's, what's Perina's goal in the sustainability world and what are some of the signature projects that you've been able to accomplish over the last couple of years?
2: Uh, so we have seven major projects that are going on right now okay. um, across the, the Midwest, pretty much ranging from um, Minnesota all the way down to, to Arkansas um, and maybe even down into the lower Mississippi River Basin beyond it as well. But um and then, you know, across the I-states, um, projects in Nebraska and, and elsewhere. <clears throat> so all of our projects, one way or another, are connected to our supply stream, right? So we're taking a look at areas that we know that we're sourcing a lot from because we obviously have, you know, some some um, sense of of being part of that community from where we're sourcing. Mm-hmm. And they're often located in areas where we're also producing as well. Um, one of the projects that we have going on with the Nature Conservancy and Cargill at the moment is actually in Nebraska. Um, is it okay if I sure. share So this one is, is, is really amazing because we're working directly with 50 farmers in the state of Nebraska, which is the highest number of irrigated of acres in the U S it's also the second largest head of cattle, I believe hmm. in the U S as well. And so a lot of our formulas use beef tallow. And so we have a vested interest in wanting to maintain not just, you know, the health of these animals, but also, the health of the aquifer that is being drawn from in order to irrigate the land that all these farmers are are farming. And so there's this aquifer there called the Ogallala Aquifer. Mm -hmm. And what we're finding is that um, through Cargill and the Nature Conservancy, we're we're providing 50 of these farms with this technology that basically allows them to monitor the weather, determine whether or not they actually need to water, and then they can turn on and off their pivots through the touch of an iPhone app. Hmm. All of this can save upwards of 2.4 billion gallons of water over the next three years, wow. which is absolutely fantastic. And so that's just an example of one of the projects that we have going on.
0: So, a couple <coughs> things when you, when you talk about responsibly sourcing, you know mm-hmm. you, wh- what you're referring to is the grains, right, to make the dog food, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately that's breaking down, and you're buying corn, and you're buying what what else?
2: So. Corn, soy, right, which is often rotated, Mm -hmm. um, some different uh, varieties of rice and and wheat as well that goes into it. Uh, Corn is a a big part of it, but there's a lot of other grains that we we source as well. I would say, though, it goes even beyond just the cereal and grains that we're buying, right? It's the environment from which all these things are coming from. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that the the environment continues to stay healthy and productive long into the future, which is why we focus on things like the Ogallala Aquifer, Mm -hmm. right, looking at water quality, water quantity, how we can basically um, improve soil health. Soil health is a a key component to a lot of this as well. And that's part of one of the projects that we actually have going on with Pheasants Forever.
0: Right, you're heading right down the road. So (coughs) so, uh, the prairie pothole region is where the project with Pheasants Forever um, geographically sits. Why is the prairie pothole region... Well, for listeners that may not know, Prairie Pottle <laughs> is northeast Montana, north-central Montana, Takes uh, swings down, takes out the majority of the Dakotas, yep. western Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, northern Iowa.
2: It's the very northern part of Iowa, yep.
0: And, and that's kind of known as the duck factory, right? It's the breadbasket of America. And Well, there's yep. a lot of breadbaskets of America, <laughs> right? But that's part of it. It's, it's the heart of pheasant country. Why is that geography so special and important to Perina?
2: The, the Perry Pothole region is just a very special part of our country for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's not just Parina; We all benefit from this particular, this very unique geography that exists within our country. And so in some sense, I, I almost feel like we all have some sort of responsibility to kind of help protect this. To your point, right, it, it is not just, you know, the duck factory, right? Um, and it's also a lot of growing regions where there's also a lot of land that pheasants, you know, are, are using for their habitat as well. Um, it's also a place where there's a lot of agricultural production that's taking place and moving forward as well. And so one of the things that makes this space, this place so so interesting, I think, is is the fact that we're talking about land stewardship, right? We're talking about Um, protecting the soil and protecting the water that exists within this particular very unique region of the country where you do have a unique habitat for a lot of waterfowl to basically thrive in. And if you can manage these lands, right, such that it can not just benefit the farmers but also benefit conservation at the same time, you kind of come up with a Mm win-win. The challenge always becomes like with what happens when one area starts to become too strong versus the other. And that's where the balance and, and sometimes that difficult conversations can take place. At the end of the day, when we have these conversations, what we find is that everybody is after the same thing, right? We're all wanting to protect the wildlife, protect the habitats, um, and provide the, 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 the natural resources, protect the natural resources that make this land so productive and fertile mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, and so for us, right, as, as a com- company that cares very deeply about conservation— and And uses a lot of agricultural you know products and cares very deeply about you know um you know um uh waterfowl and, and things of that nature this is this is just one of these key areas that we want to make sure that we are part of and helping to protect
0: yeah and so that the, the f- there's been two or there are two components to that one million dollar gift yep that um kind of put focus on our mission and the first one is the soil health and habitat program which sits over that geography right the the prairie pothole region so (coughs) uh, reading from from our press release the soil health and habitat program utilizes precision agriculture technology and pheasants forever will work with 60 producers and growers to analyze data on 30,000 acres of private lands in north dakota south dakota minnesota and iowa over the next three years to help enhance soil health protect water quality and implement conservation planning um, in that same region so perina's goals for this program uh, is to rebuild soil organic matter soil organic matter sequester carbon increase water filtration and provide quality wildlife habitat on the least productive cropland acres while sim- simultaneously improving profitability, yeah, so I don't like to read in podcasts, <laughs> but I just read a bunch, <laughs> right? But what that tells me is uh, the way I interpret that is uh, our mission has always been wildlife habitat, yeah, right, and what Perina came in <laughs> and says, "We love that, but You guys know that intrinsically, your wildlife habitat mission is also benefiting a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, we've been talking about pollinators for a number of years now, and but there's other things. Water quality benefit. You put plant wildlife habitat. It protects water quality. Improves water quality. Protects soil resources. And the way I interpreted when you guys brought forward this grant is like. We w- we believe in, this is Purina saying to Pheasant Farm. We believe in your wildlife habitat mission, but we want you to double down and figure out what else that your mission is benefiting. Because we believe we that inherently there's so many more soil yeah. water resource benefits is that an accurate interpretation of your goals
2: i i think it is it absolutely is and you know we we really when, when we're putting all this together right and we're having the conversation with chad bloom and chris callison we were talking about this they went back and they really kind of thought hard about this and said how can we best develop a program that that meets the needs of several different stakeholders that are part of this right because it's not just benefiting you know um, um, Pheasants Forever, right? But it's also benefiting these landowners at the same time. The great thing I think that Pheasants Forever brings to the table is that you guys already work so well with that agricultural community. You already have a lot of those relationships already established. And so it's, it's, it's already, you know, this very well-married sort of um, relationship that you guys have going on. What's so amazing about the soil health component of this, right, is that I think people are starting to understand more and more the importance of healthy soils, right? Not just for being able to protect the topsoil, but finding out ways in which you can also grow the organic matter, right, deep into the soil, mm. right? Help to build that nutrient content. And at the same time making sure you can protect it so it's not running all, you know, running off the lands. The more that you can actually improve that overall soil health, it helps to retain water, right? It helps to clean mm. water. It makes water not just clean, but also abundant at the same time. And so these watershed areas that exist within areas like the Prairie Pothole region are, are critical to, to the health of our uh, water supply at the same time. So improve the soil health, you can also improve the water as well.
0: And you produ- um, improve the yield yep. too, right, make it more profitable. And When you talk about um, soil health, cover crops are a big component <coughs> of the tools that you're talking about, right?
2: There's a lot of different tools out there, right? Cover crops is certainly one of them, um, different... Um, nutrient management programs, different uh, tillage programs, um, ways in which I'm now seeing farmers actually think about how they can not just, you know, um, use all their lands, but sometimes there's parts of those lands that maybe are very marginal in nature. Hmm. And if they can't get it part of a CRP program or something of that nature, are there other ways in which they can work with conservation groups like Pheasants Forever to take those lands and turn them into a habitat, right, right. or rotate them year over year and things of that nature at the same time?
0: You so bring up um, CRP. How, how active is Perina in farm bill conservation, um, you know, in the, the formulation of the Title II of the farm bill?
2: Well, so— we don't actually get involved heavily into the development of the Farm Bill, right? Okay. But we are—we uh, do have a very healthy relationship with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Um, as a matter of fact, um, the American Farm Bureau Federation has Farm Dog of the Year, <laughs> and we are the sponsor for the Farm Dog of the Year. It's okay. a great video. We do it every year, and we also sponsor Foundation Night Out at the annual, annual national convention at the same time. We do this because we also recognize all the great work that the farmers are doing at the same time. Hmm. And, again, you know, this kind of goes back to building these healthy relationships, right? When you have—and uh, and a lot of these are the same individuals, right? When you have individuals that are you know, farmers and ranchers and producers that are working the lands, that also many of them are hunters and members of Pheasants Forever, Quail right. Forever, DU, and so forth— they also want to protect the land. As a matter of fact, sometimes I don't know of anyone else who cares more deeply about the land than a lot of the same people that we're talking about here. And so, yes, we certainly support uh, the Farm Bill and the CRP measures and, and others as well. hmm Yeah.
1: We should we should have Eric Johansson on this podcast. I know with us. I was thinking the same thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, those two would have uh, Jack and and Eric. You guys need to meet someday. So <laughs> yeah, if you're ever listening, Eric. Yeah. yeah.
0: So so for listeners that don't know Eric, uh, Eric is a um, a farmer and also owns and operates a pheasant <laughs> hunting. Uh, business in north central South Dakota super innovative in his conservation measures uh, does cover crops does yeah. interseeding, you know does a whole bunch of things to not only be profitable as a farmer but then also do do some things that benefit wildlife water quality soil re- yeah. and and as y- you exactly yeah, I figured. read my mind when yeah. when Jack's talking about a farmer that's you know thinking about the holistic view of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eric Johansson is a name He's that immediately pops to mind. And there's a lot of them actually of course, out there yeah, that that uh, are approach their approach their farm operation from the same perspective, right? And they they need to make a living, right? Pay off college tuition for the kids, but they also want to see the ten point buck mm-hmm. down in the stream bed and, and be able to walk out there. You know, their backyard, back 40 and chase some roosters. And, you know, Eric Johansson, just an example of that type of person that lives in the prairie pothole region. Uh, The second priority focus of that million dollar contribution Mm -hmm. is, um, is a program that's personally near and dear to my heart. It's called the Build a Wildlife Area Campaign. And the guy that hired me at Pheasants Forever, Joe Dugan, conceptualized this idea, uh, along with Rob Driesline at Outdoor News in Minnesota, the editor of Outdoor News, and uh, Chuck Delaney, the owner of Game Fair. They, they, I remember very distinctly we were having breakfast in Anoka um, in the summer of 2003. And at that time, it, Joe, Joe was... Fighting back with some of the um, thoughts in the Minnesota legislature about um, slowing down the acquisition of um, land for public access. And Joe, his thought process was, you know, public lands do so much for so many. You know, it protects water quality, (coughs) Mm -hmm. creates wildlife habitat, it protects soils, it's environmentally sensitive lands that we can put on the landscape and create uh, as public places to go for not just bird hunting, but bird watching and hiking, and, and these are just gems. And we need to demonstrate that to a larger (coughs) section of Minnesota corporations and the politicians. And he conceived with Rob and Chuck this build a wildlife area concept in 2003. And companies jumped on board instantly and said, we're in. We want to help build a wildlife area, create a wildlife area. And from that point in 2003, this program has exploded to six states, and we've we've uh, purchased over thirteen thousand thirteen thousand and thirty eight acres, to be exact. Wow! That are now open to the public. There's the Minnesota Veterans Wildlife Area. There's the Kansas Veterans Wildlife Area. There's the Jeff Finden <laughs> Wildlife Area. There's all sorts of places on the map that companies have contributed dollars to, individuals have contributed dollars to, and because of the uh, grants that we have in place, we're able to match build a wildlife area donations at a minimum of three to one, and I know in in some cases it's been twelve to one.
1: Did, and, didn't you just do one in Montana recently, like Great Falls, the um, T- Teton shuttle?
0: Teton River? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's Montana, Minnesota, Illinois, um, Iowa, Kansas and the sixth state i think is south dakota uh that we've done build a wildlife area campaigns and it uh it matches individuals it it matches corporate dollars with federal and state government grants and if we work with the u.s fish and wildlife service it becomes a WPA waterfall production area. If we work with a state agency, it becomes a WMA wildlife management area or a GPA, whatever the acronym is in that state. And it's just it's it's been so gratifying to see like a person's twenty five dollars, you know, can get matched up to twelve times, and then you know a year later you can go walk on that piece of ground with your bird dog, <laughs> right? And it'll be like that forever. And so another huge component of your contribution, Purina's contribution, is to the Build a Wildlife Area campaign. Uh, t- tell me what what resonated with the Build a Wildlife Area campaign from Purina's perspective.
1: Well, um, you know, I guess Purina's overarching uh principle or theory is that people and pets are better together. So any any time you're doing something with your dog, it's good <coughs> for the dog, it's good for you. I mean there's research and studies that show that, you know, people with pets and their dogs have, you know, lower stress, lower blood pressure, less depression, anxiety, overall better health, all those things um, are improved by just a relationship with your pet. Although I would contend that I've had several dogs that increased my blood pressure <laughs> and anxiety. But um, I'll go with the research. And uh, so the problem is people need a place to do that. You know, you can't, uh, you know, bird dogs need places to run. Um, so these build-a-wildlife areas are super for, for people like me that like to hunt and, and chase birds. But, um, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, non-consumptive users that like to go jogging with their dog or, um, you know, hiking, running, bird watching, you know, any of those things that you can do with your dog. This provides access um which I think is really important. Uh you know, I as you know, I used to live in Montana and now mm-hmm. I'm in Texas. You know, in Texas there there is there is no very little public land that you can recreate on with a dog. It's it's almost all private. In Montana, you know, it was kind of a, a completely different so I think it's really important that um, you know, Pheasants Forever is helping protect these, especially key access points in um in the Prairie Pothole Region, just because it's such a great area for sportsmen and bird hunters and stuff, um, dog owners. Um, so I think for us, that was an important piece, is that it it helps protect and preserve an area that people can go do things with
0: their dogs. Well, thank you, because it's a it's a um, it's a really incredible. Campaign we do every year. If listeners want to learn a little bit more about Build a Wildlife Area campaign, you can look for it on our website. Um, and there are so many places that now exist because you know you raise one dollar at a time and it gets multiplied. And when you know you consider the contribution that you folks have made over the course of the next three years, we're going to be able to put multiple. <laughs> Right, multiple pieces of property um, out there on the landscape for folks to enjoy. So, hey, maybe you can get uh, my boss
1: Scott to uh, agree that it'd be a work trip for me to go up to Shoto and see the uh, build a wildlife area there, or some other uh, ones that would create. Yeah, a little field research. Yeah, I think that that, uh,
0: the one you're talking about, the the Teton River, um, they I believe they've documented moose, grizzly bears, mule deer. Um, not to mention, you know, pheasants, sharptails, huns, mm-hmm. waterfall, you know, and you, Jack, you mentioned earlier that one of the key, one of your three com- key components for Perina is biodiversity, right? When you yeah. start ticking off um, mammals, birds, oh, and by the way, you can trout fish on that <laughs> wildlife area too, right? There's a stream running through it. I mean, that's, that speaks to the sustainability that you're talking about.
2: Absolutely. Right. It's, it's, and it's all of them that you just mentioned, right? There's a lot of other, you know, um, organisms that not only live in the soil that you want to protect, right? right? But there's a lot of other insects and other animals that, right, are are foraging through our forests and so forth that you want to protect as well, right? All these things work together as, as a system. And so you have to manage it and you have to manage it in the right way, which is really, really important and key that a lot of people that I think that work in our area truly understand, so, yeah,
0: it, it, it really <coughs> is amazing. Like when you think about, I don't know, when I, when I think about growing up, going through high school and conceptualizing, going to work for Perina. Yeah. Right. I, I think, well, you know, mission is to sell dog food. Right. But here you are. You yeah. Sustainability so vice president at Perina. You know, it is a really a holistic view of the business, knowing that it isn't about profits and losses in 2020. It's longer term than that.
2: Yeah. It, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to pets. Mm-hmm. When I think about what is the purpose of Purina, one of the things that I know, right, that we do hear quite frequently is we, when we introduce ourselves, we talk about, you know, so what's our name? What is it we do for the company? And then who are our pets, mm-hmm. Right. What's the name of our dogs, our cats, you know, how many do we have and so forth. That really is, is our purpose. And so it's beyond just, you know, selling pet food. And in some ways, it's even beyond just sustainability. It's really, you know, our passion for pets um, that drive yeah. us, I think. And, and we have this, this heritage where people stay with the company for such a long time. Yeah. They love the culture because they truly value what they're doing when you put it in that context. I mean, we really have a very strong purpose here.
0: And you do have a really incredible culture. I was fortunate enough to come to an event you held this June. It was June, right? The yeah. May or June, late May. Yeah, I think. <coughs> June. And with a bunch of outdoor writers and conservation groups, and we get the full tour of the, the, the plant that's on site and the, the Hall of Fame down in, in yeah. lower level somewhere where there's all the... the, the sh- uh, the west westminster winners and sporting dog winners yep Yep. and the culture everybody walking around i mean i don't want to sound like it's a cult but (laughs) you know it it is like people are are pretty genuinely happy it's dog friendly there's dogs walking around on leashes uh everywhere other than the cafeteria i think right yeah it's a pretty it seems like a pretty good place to work
2: it's a great place to work absolutely love it yeah absolutely love it yeah
0: well, um a- as we start to wrap up what's what's new on the horizon for for perina particularly for bird dog owners what uh what sort of things should should the bird dog group <laughs> pheasants forever members yeah, quail yeah. forever members be be uh looking for you
1: know um i guess the, the two things one um Probably the the biggest innovation that we're seeing these days is the use of probiotics in dog foods and to do different things. You know, um, the relationship between the gut and the brain is much stronger than people ever thought. Um, We have a new product that manages anxiety in dogs. It's a probiotic, and through affecting the gut, you can actually help reduce stress and anxiety in dogs. Um, There's been some (laughs) great results reported to me Mm -hmm. from people that – travel a lot with their dog or have a dog that's very anxious, barking, spinning, that type of thing. So so that's just sort of one example. Um, the what, tech-
0: name name that product. Uh, Calm and Care. Yeah, because and and um, Emily Snyder, a graphic designer in our office, has uh, adopted gotcha. Short Air. Okay. And she's using it, and uh, we've got a blog coming on our website about oh, awesome. how effective it's been. Oh, good, good.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think uh, that, you know, the technology is improving for, uh, you know, um, probiotics, by nature, are kind of fragile. You know, they're living organisms, and it, mm. you know they're susceptible to heat and freezing and all that. But the technology, through uh, different processes of micro encapsulation and um, applying them after the food has been cooked and extruded, um, is giving us the ability to put them in dog foods where previously that wasn't uh, successful. You know, mm. so um, I think that's something that we'll just see as <coughs> an industry. You'll con- continue to see. An improvement and, and more probiotics in different formulas for different purposes so that's that's my press release that's <laughs> <a> <laughs> and don't ask me to get too detailed I'm a dog trainer at heart um, but uh, good job so, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's good stuff because <laughs> I have I've witnessed it working firsthand yeah yep. yeah um, very good stuff so as we, as we close, any, any closing thoughts on, on what's, yeah. what's juicing you with, uh, in particular with this million-dollar contribution and the new, the new partnership with Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever?
2: Hey, I, I love my hat that you brought me, Bob, <laughs> yeah. right, with, with the Pheasants Forever logo and the, the Detroit logo uh, on it.
0: We had a, we had a <coughs> partnership with the Detroit Tigers. They didn't have a very good year this year. No, when unfortunately. I, when, I, when I did see that you were a Michigander, I thought that might— yeah hit home for you um
2: i i do have one closing thought right around this so you know we're absolutely jazzed right to to be a supporter of pheasants forever and quail forever without a doubt and we truly think like when you take a look at the programs that y'all help to to develop for us that we can help fund um this is really amazing right it's right up our alley um One of the things that I noticed, and I'm glad you brought it up, around the National Conservation Leadership Institute. You know, I was there for those two weeks, and I had an opportunity to meet (coughs) a lot of amazing people from the state agencies and from the federal agencies, you know, uh, fish and wildlife and so forth. And, And hearing about their love and passion for the outdoors, for nature, conservation, for wildlife. And then I hear the same things when I work with the individual farmers going out to their lands and working with the American Farm Bureau. And then, of course, working with Pheasants Forever and and, and Quail Forever and and DU and TNC. There's a lot of similarities that we all have, right? We all care very much about this. You also have other individuals, right, that maybe don't have that same understanding. And when you think about, I'm always looking towards the future, right? I have a, you know, my finger on the pulse today And I'm thinking about the future. And I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about all these, you know, younger generations that are coming up, a lot of them living in the cities that don't truly have an understanding of all this. But what's so amazing is that when I have conversations even with them, they still have this huge interest and passion for conservation and for wildlife and so forth. And the one thing that is like that common denominator that brings people together quicker than anything is when you start talking about your pets. Mm. And I know that I probably sound a little bit like a broken record <laughs> on, this, on this podcast. A broken podcast, maybe that's a better way. But, um, but I feel like there's such a huge opportunity that still there's this, this latent demand that's waiting to be broken through. And I can just see in the future, right, Pheasants Forever really benefiting from, you know, having these, conser- these con- concert, uh, conversations around conservation and wildlife and so forth. It's, it's really exciting to see.
0: You know, I don't think you've told us about your pets yet. No? What do you have? What, <coughs> what kind of dog or cat do you have at home?
2: So, so um, He's we, getting uh, out his phone, folks. Yeah, I, I show am. me photos. I got pictures. It doesn't work real
0: well on, on the podcast, but I'll look at No, <laughs> no. So <coughs>
2: we, we have a rescue cat named Fiona. And this is one where, um, so we had two dogs that we actually rescued down in, in South Carolina. They were with us for 17 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, and they were interesting, too, because they were smaller in size, but someone told us they were like a Carolina hunting dog. These were the mm. most well-behaved dogs that we ever had. They looked like the, almost like a corgi mix as well. One of them, I think, was, you know, total corgi. Hmm. Um, but after we had lost those, we went through this period where we didn't have. And so my wife and I, beginning of summer, t- and we said, let's go find us, ourselves a cat. And so we found this cat. And Fiona, and we adopted her. But she was probably one of the most least adoptable cats. She had an issue with one of her eyes. She had GI issues. She had a leg that was going to need surgery. And for some reason, we looked at her and we said, that's the <laughs> one, right? <laughs> and so we, we brought her home. We got her all fixed up. And she is just absolutely warm and cuddly and hangs out with us a lot. We also have a, a puppy dog right now um, named Murphy. And, and Murphy is is absolutely adorable. It can be a little bit of a, a handful, so I hear you, Carl. Right? It yep. can actually raise your blood pressure, <laughs> but um, short term, short term. But he, he is some sort of poodle mix, and there you go, Bob. There take, you go. take this picture out.
0: <laughs> yeah, cute as a button.
2: Yeah. So
0: hey, what? What's it say, naughty on the little <laughs> on the collar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, That's not <laughs> dog shaming. There is, there? is that dog no. shaming. No, okay.
2: But he's 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 a great dog. So yeah. Those are those are our uh, our fur fur nice. fur children. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, it, like you mentioned, Carl, um, pets and particularly bird dogs in our world yep. definitely make life better. That's right. Um, I, you're running collies these days, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, border collies. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and I've still got some labs though, and we just bought another one. We don't have it yet, but. Um, from Georgia, and so we've still got uh, a few hunting dogs, a couple Labradors, a Border Collie, maybe two. We'll see. Yeah, I'm, nice. I'm, I'm not a dog collector, but I'm not far off of it either. <laughs> so.
0: Well, and if folks want to uh, connect with you, you will be at National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic. Wouldn't February miss it. Yeah. Uh, 14, 15, 16 at the Minneapolis Convention That conflicts
1: Center. with a certain holiday my wife has already... Um,
0: she can um, come. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Date night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, Jack, Carl, uh, thank you so much for, for making time. But most importantly... Thank you for Purina's commitment to our uh, wildlife habitat conservation mission. And a million dollars is a massive statement in your belief in our members, in our organizations, to, to put this soil health and habitat program and build a wildlife area campaigns on the ground to do good for farmers, to do good for bird hunters, to go- do good for, for Americans. Yep. So thank you yeah. very much for the contribution
2: happy to do it
1: great being on again bob yeah Yeah. we'll
0: we'll have to make this like every six months we'll have you on all right Uh, folks if you would like to learn more about the soil health and habitat program (coughs) being funded by perina go to (gasps) pheasantsforever.org there we are looking for farmers in north dakota south dakota minnesota and iowa to participate over the course of the next three years. And you can learn more about the Build a Wildlife Area campaign at pheasantsforever.org as well. And like I said, you can talk to Carl in the flesh, National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic, coming up in February. Carl is always in the Perina booth. At, uh, right next to the bird dog stage, and uh, I encourage you to, to talk to him and thank, thank him in person for Purina's commi- <clears throat> commitment to our organization. Folks, thanks for listening to this episode of On the Wing Podcast. I'm Bob St. Pierre, and I uh, appreciate you listening, and we'll see you down the road.